Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. I'm your host, George Eric, and this is the Punch Stand Festival preview. And I'm joined by two expert guests, two veterans of the Odds Checker Betting Show, Odds Checker tipster Andy Holding and racing journalist and broadcaster Ed Quigley as well. The dream team ahead of the Punchtown Festival. And, and normally, you know, when we talk about these big festivals for Aintree, for uh, for Cheltenham, we, we give every day its own show. This time we're doing something a little bit different and we're going to do a whistle-stop tour of the whole week. I think we've got 10 or 11 races that we're going to try and get through in just over, well, just about an hour's time. I say it's an hour now, let's see where we are come the end of the show. Um, before we get into it, we're not going to do the usual small talk. Ed, I'm just going to assume that you're okay. I'm not even going to ask you how you are. But <laughs> Andy... I mean, this is, you know, we, we we spend a lot of time talking about Cheltenham and it all builds up to that. But there's almost something more fascinating about seeing some rivalries renewed from March and also some horses that we saw racing different uh, different events coming together here uh, over the Irish Sea uh, next, oh, this week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I think um, if we needed a reminder of how different um, certain horses are at certain tracks and Certain time of year on, on on different ground, you only you only have had to have a look at put the kettle on on mm. on Saturday at Sandown. A totally different performance to the one we saw her when she um, obviously dominated in the well not dominated, but she took care of a good field in the Champion Chase. Um, had Grenadine in behind, and yet lo and behold, on different ground, going right-handed, she wasn't quite up to her best. So I think you've got to factor that into all your betting strategies this week at um, Punchestown. Um, it doesn't matter how dominant you think they might have been at Cheltenham it was under a certain set of circumstances certain set of ground that some horses were able to come out on top I think it'll be very different they are this meeting usually run on a good deal softer ground than what they're going to encounter or have thought that over the next four or five days they've obviously water to maintain but you know with the sun still beaming you know, shining down it, it's it's going to be quite quick for a lot of these horses so you just got to bear that in mind um yeah, and we've got some really good clashes. All the big guns are going to be there. We haven't got big fields, so a lot of these races we're going to be talking about aren't tremendous betting races. Um, they might be for some, but not me personally, <laughs> not. I'm sure Ed's the same as well. He locks a little bit of value with his with his betting, um, but they're going to be fascinating races all, all the same. Yeah, really, really exciting stuff. We'll get into it now. Um, we're just basically going to go through from Tuesday through to Saturday and pick out some of the the headline races. So uh, apologies uh, if there are any races that we don't cover that you wish we had uh, at the end i will ask both andy and ed if they've got any other any other horses to flag that we haven't discussed and make sure you do download the odds checker app because andy will of course have his column out every morning so if there are any of the any bets in the big handicaps or, or this and that that don't get mentioned here they will be direct to the app on the morning uh, of the racing and also on the app you can find the best prices the best bookie offers free bets and so much more so do download it now uh, and you can follow through the races as we discuss them recording this at about 20 past 12 on monday so the final decks are just coming through for wednesday's racing so tuesday so the, the first couple of races we're going to cover we can be pretty confident that the market is pretty solid and, and we know who's going to be running where wednesday it's reforming as we speak and then thursday friday and saturday there still be a, could be a few horses to come out but let's get into it plenty to get through and the first race we're going to cover is the uh, the champion novice hurdle uh, tomorrow on tuesday at 4 15 and it's one of the many races 
as Andy alluded to there, where the fields are quite small and we've got a match at the top of the market. Echoes in the Rain is 10 to 11 favourite ahead of Blue Lord at 5 to 4. Uh, Utchard is 16 to 1. Duke Cup 33s. Colonel Mustard 40s. And it's only fair, given that I completely ignored your well being at the beginning, to give you first run in the opener. <laughs> That's very kind of you, George. Very <laughs> kind of you. Yeah, um, coming to uh, again, a, a race uninspiring for Betty Heat. Uh, Echoes in Rain, obviously going up in class here. Again, we always talk about it, don't we? Getting the old uh, the mayor's allowance makes a, makes does make a big pull in these types mm. of contests. It's, it's more, I've got a bit of a I find the Blue Lords becoming a little bit tripless. That might be a bit unfair given it is still relatively early days and he has run to a pretty high level of form in all those runs. But nonetheless, I thought when they stepped him up to two and a half behind Bob Ollinger earlier in the season, he was really keen. Didn't look as though he got home. Obviously, it wasn't actually a bad performance in finishing runner-up to him behind. So I dropped him back to two miles at Leopardstown. I thought he looked totally outpaced in Dublin Racing Festival, but made late gains that day. And again, in the champion hurdle, I mean, he wouldn't have got near appreciated and was kind of staying on on soft ground. I think he was he about seven lengths down at the time of his departure. Um, just becoming a little bit kind of in between stalls for me. Uh, Echoes in rain, again, going up in class, has oozed. She's clearly a really progressive mare who's oozed class. I'd be tempted here to roll the dice with Uptread at a price. This horse is a really smart bumper. It's won a listed race, uh, a listed bumper in really smart fashion. Uh, Joseph O'Brien said that had a couple of little setbacks. It hasn't been the easiest to keep in one piece. Made a belated comeback, as we said, it, uh, it at Pakistan back in February. Was far too keen and lit up. Been off the track for uh, over a year and, and, and ran like it, in, in all honesty. Looked a bit ring rusty. But with that run under its belt, of course, just stayed away from Cheltenham, stayed away from Aintree, <clears> just <throat> been brought along a bit slowly. And I just wonder, yeah, Rachel Blackmore in the saddle. Uh, more of fact, I'm, I'm not massively sold on Blue Lord and Echoes and Rain's odds on. You know me, George. I, I, yeah. i uh, got to go back to medieval times last time I backed an odds on <laughs> shot. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I'd be tempted to trade at the prices just because this horse is totally unexposed. And again, I'll repeat, this is not a normal year where you've got you know, you've got your supreme winner in here and, you mm. know, you've perhaps got something that's gone entry one by 15 lengths. Um, you know, you've got a, an unexposed mare's rated 141 and Blue Lord is as good as he is, does keep finding a way to be being beaten. So, yeah, tentative at Utrecht. Tentative selection for Utrecht there in the five-runner race at 16 to 1. So you are getting a quarter of the two if you did want to back Utrecht each way and basically getting paid out um, at about four to one if he manages to finish in front of one of those two, at least, which could be a, a nice way of playing it. Uh, Andy, where do you reckon, you know, do you reckon the market's got these two the, the right way around? And can you see any value in those at a bigger price? Well, the market, I think, has got it the right way around. I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that uh, the Willie Mullins camp think they, they've got it the right way around because <laughs> Paul Townend, um, you could argue, has got off Echoes in Rain to, to stay law, maybe to, to, to Blue Lord, going down the, uh, as Ed said, the grade one route. Echoes in Rain is, is yet to prove itself at this, uh, in this uh, company. Um, but I think Echoes in Rain is a better horse than Blue Lord anyway. So I, th I think the market has probably just about got it right. I think it's very interesting as well on two counts that appreciate it who was in this doesn't um, um, line up here or, or, or might even not even go to punches down full, full, full stop. I'm not really sure what the story is with him or he might r run later on in the week. But you would have thought, been as he won the Supreme and obviously Hurdle, he'd be the first name on the team sheet mm. um, to um, fly the flag for the Paul Sutton base. But they've um, they've got the horse that would have finished second to him, Blue Lord, and of course Echoes in Rain. Now, Echoes in Rain's a funny horse because early on in the season, she was very, very keen and exuberant. That cost her a chance 
in, in a graded race at, um, at this track, funny enough, early on in the season behind Real Deal. Uh, and then they gave her a little bit more of a chance the next day. And it was the first time that we saw what she's capable of because she absolutely scampered away from Belfast Banter. And we know that what um, he's gone on to um, yeah. achieve subsequently, County Hurdle winner and, of course, winner at Aintree. But it was her last run here which really told the tale of how this horse is shaping up. They surprised everyone, including me, by dropping her out completely last. I thought she was going to make the run in that day. I actually fancied another horse in the race. So straight away I was thinking, oh my goodness, that, that's that's a bit of a shock. And she settled, not not sort of like really, really comfortably, but she, she raced, she raced, you know, quite, quite, you know, um, exuberantly, but not an absolute tear away. And it really worked the trip. She got there, literally she just joined in at the second last. She scampered away from, not world beaters, but a good field, um, you know, Colonel Mustard, MC Muldoon, um, the Devil's Coachman, that was the other one I fancied. Um, and, you know, they're all good grade three straight listed horses. She made them look absolutely daft. Mm. And it was only when I went back and done the split screen uh, sectionals, which I often do and talk about, from going away from the stands to the line, just how good that performance was. In comparison to Sky Ace, who won the grade one mare's race, she was 40 lengths quicker. Really? <laughs> 40 lengths quicker than Sky Ace. And obviously Sky Ace was over two and a half miles and Echoes in Rain was two miles. So you'd half expect Echoes in Rain to be better, but not 40 lengths better. Mm. Um, so I think this is a special mare uh, going through the ranks. The only problem is we've got a small field here. How do they ride it? They're going to hope the William Munns camp, if one of the other foot soldiers in the race, Colonel, Colonel Mustard has made the run in the past, Duke Cooper has made the run in the past, might take them along at a good pace. But the key is, this, is settling it. If Paddy Mullins can settle her early on, she'll just have too much speed for these. So Echoes in Rain, the the one out of the two at the top that Andy thinks is the rightful favourite, 10 to 11 best price, uh, short as four to five elsewhere. Uhtred, the outsider for Ed. Uh, on to the second race we're going to be previewing, which is the 5.25, the William Hill Champion Chase on Tuesday, where Shakun Poissois is the five to four favourite. Alaho, second favourite at seven to four, dropping back to two miles. Um, Nuba Negra is 11 to two, first flow 16 to one. Claire's Emery is 25 to 1, 50 to 1, Castle Grace Paddy, 66 to 1, Daily Tiger. And you got a horse here in, in Chacon Poissois who didn't, um, you know, was a one of the hot pots at the festival who didn't cut chumps for favourite backers. Alaho, who was well backed and very, very impressive, albeit over two and a half. Alaho, a horse we saw, you know, race over much of his career at three miles. Chacon Poissois gets the, the nod for favouritism at the moment as it stands. Uh, can you see why and, and who do you think is maybe the one to take him on with, if anybody? I, th I think this is the race in the meeting, I really do. Mm. Um, at least we've got a bigger field and we've got UK representation as well and good UK representation at that with first flow Nubi Nenga, very sportingly coming over, just to add a bit of spice to it. Mm. We've got the best horse in Ireland over two miles for the last two seasons, Shaq and Poursois. Disappointing at Cheltenham, but away from Cheltenham, um, he's very good on Heimsall. Leopardstown, he's won here before. Um, I think he won this race before, didn't he, if I remember right. Um, um, bidding to get back on track, but unfortunately for, for Shaq and Poursois followers, um, he's up against his stable companion, Alaho, who might just be even a little bit better than him. I think yeah. he's the more talented horse of the two, uh, and certainly based on the numbers that he did at Cheltenham, in that absolute brutality of a um, 
of a marsh chase when he completely ripped the guts out of um uh, not the sorry the rhino not the marsh, rhino, chase, the marsh yeah. chase on the same day um i mean that that i haven't seen anything but as of equine brutality is that for a long time uh, i've gone on record and said that um you know his time figure was good but the way he destroyed that field in the first mile of the race is something to behold um and you know good horses were waving the white flag you know jumping the water jump they're absolutely out on their feet it, the form looks as good as ever you know we, we've seen Fakir Dudarissa chase him and win at Aintree um Mr Fisher who pulled up absolutely drunk ran really well against Frodon on Saturday so there's nothing to um you know say anything other 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 than you know positive things about the race I think the drop back in two miles is will be fine <coughs> excuse me because he's shown that two mile championship speed throughout a two and a half mile race mm. Which I think will be seen to good effect over two miles. He's 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 got a very good record going right-handed as well, so I'm not bothered about him going the other way around. Um, and I actually think the the interesting factor about the whole thing is is not only I think he'll win this race, but what will connections do with him next year? I mean, is that is that presumably not why he's been sent here? Is because this must be them trying to work out if they have a, a championship next March. And, and the, it's going to be fascinating next year. Shishkin six to four favourite the champion chase. But if Alaho does what I think he will do to this field, beating Nubi Negra, Shaq and Pulsoir, William Mullins is going to have a right job next year sorting out his pack for the for the <laughs> two mile division because he's still got Shaken. Presumably yeah. runs well here uh, tomorrow. Alaho parachuting back to two miles and trying to win. You know. The, the sort of purest, uh, try and win mm. at the purest. And then, of course, they've got an ergamine as well. Mm. And we think I'll have a bit of a cakewalk in his novice chase later on in the season, going into the older division next year. So I, I think there's lots of different strands uh, to look at this race. Not only has this race as a whole come tomorrow, but going forward, using your crystal ball, thinking, what about if Alaho wins this? That eight to one currently for the champion chase could look an absolute incredible bit of, bit of value. So, um, yeah, I... I I think William Mullins is going to have a great day for, on, on the first day. And I'm hoping that Alaho does what he did to that very good field um, at Cheltenham to this lot. Alaho, 7-4 with Betfair Sportsbook and Boyle Sports. Betfair Sportsbook, despite there being seven runners, go a, a third, sorry, go a fifth, uh, the three places. So, um, you know, 7-4 each way, fifth, it's for some, not for others, but uh, I have a feeling maybe for for one of your each way multis, Andy, that could be uh, could be quite quite handy. But seven or four Alaho as it stands, the selection for Andy here. Ed, do you agree? Is is this Alaho's time to to prove that he has what it takes to be a champion chaser? Absolutely, yeah. I'd I'd probably be with Alaho if I was forced to have a bet. I'm not having one. Uh, I think you know first flow, right handed to help, but needs deeper ground. Nubi Negra is a very consistent, very good horse. I think it's probably just a notch below the top level horses and. Um, yeah, Alho's exciting. I mean, touch upon what Andy said. I mean, Willie Mullins pretty much insinuated. He said, I'd rather find out now where we've got a champion chase horse rather than find out in November. Yeah. Uh, it, it kind of it dictates next season. If he comes in and gets stuffed 10 legs <clears> by Shaka Borsoir, they'll just go back for the Ryanair route next season and it, everything maps itself out. So, yeah, uh, it is fascinating. Alaho, I'm surprised to see the discrepancy between the prices. I get it in the sense that Chacun Pourcoise, this is his kind of home event, if you like, back o- uh, this trip back back in Ireland. Um, it was a little bit disappointing, wasn't it, Cheltenham? But yeah, I think Alaho is exciting. And uh, as I said, it's more of this race with 
next season in mind, isn't it? The, the chance mm. you could, in theory, could have an Ergamine, Alaho and Shishkin all clashing in some kind of Tingle Creek or something like that. I mean, look, it's, it's great stuff to look forward to. But I think this is very much a fact-finding mission for Alaho in order to find out what they're going to do with him for the next two seasons. He is only seven. And so um, they've obviously got the option they can step back up if need be. So, yeah, Alaho for me uh, looks, well, yeah, one of the most exciting horses in training at the moment. It was interesting. I, I went back and listened, was it two or three years ago, to our, our Cheltenham pod. And we had Joe Chambers on, who's, you know, Richard, she's racing manager. And we were talking about Alaho in the um, in the Albert Bartlett. And Joe Chambers says, you know, luckily Willie Mullins doesn't listen to me anyway. But he said, this is a couple, about two weeks before he said he's got this wrong. Alaho should not be running over three miles. He's got this wrong. And lo and yeah. behold, here we are talking about Alaho <laughs> as a two-mile champion chaser. Well, I, I intimated that as well last year. I don't know if you remember when yeah. we were talking about the RSA chase. And I was pleading with connections to run him in the in the marsh yeah yeah because i thought he'd been the marsh because he's, he's run the time before when he when he clocked a very big number going right-handed over two and a half miles suggested to me he was all speed rather than stamina mm. he did really well by the way to hang on as, as tough as he did you know he, he still led going down to the last against manila indo and champ uh, that form hasn't worked out too bad <laughs> um, but I, I think they were you know because of chili pot they were trying to make him into something that he wasn't yeah um they were, they were tr- thinking oh you know we'll, we'll We've got a gold cup horse here, and they 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 found out the hard way, but they finally realised that he's 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 probably going to be better over two miles than he is even two and a half. It's it's not it's not a bad thing to fall back on. We thought we had a gold cup course, gold cup horse. Turns out we've got a champion chase horse. I mean, absolutely, yeah, yeah. There there, there are worse ways to uh, to yeah to come up uh, a little bit short. Um, we'll move on now to the um, the champion novice chase, and this will be one of the most interesting matches of the whole festival. Uh, and maybe that's doing Carl Reavy a bit of a district, uh, you know, injustice as well. But Monkfish heads the market, just four runners. Monkfish heads the market at even money. Envoy Allen, five to four. Carl Reavy, eight to one. Franco Deport, 50 to one. Now, Andy, at Cheltenham, they were two of the most hotly anticipated runners. Envoy Allen fell fairly early on. And Monkfish, despite winning fairly comfortably, maybe wasn't quite as at a sparkling best that we anticipated. So... And then Corrivi, of course, um, just sitting outside uh, of those two in the market. So how do you see this one? How do I see it? Yeah, I, I see Monkfish winning again. Um, mm. I really do. I'm a fully paid-up member of this horse. I've been for a little while. Thought he was a good thing at Cheltenham. Didn't back him, by the way, but thought he was a good thing and he justified it. Albeit a little bit, to the naked eye at the time, a little bit um, more workmanlike than you would have liked. But going back and doing the numbers again, I've talked about this afterwards when I've done a few uh, reviews reviews of the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, his performance on the clock was simply startling. Um, and on the same card, he, he run the last lap quicker than the champion chase. So, it, you know, there's no reason why, it was no surprise why the fiddle on the roof and the big breakaway couldn't get anywhere near him or, or that, you know, that that's why they, you know, they faded away. Um, he's just a special talent. Um I just think well, that funny enough. I thought Paul Town in that day just felt the pressure of this horse, and it, it, it sort of went through to, to the to the to the reins of Monkfish because every time he kept trying to see a stride, sometimes the horse would say, "No, I'm not having that." He put down, and th- those little errors just sort of crept into his game from from nowhere really. Because up to that, he'd been foot perfect at Leopardstown, tricky jump, jumping track. That is, mm. um, so I just think the fact that he's proven over three miles. He's he's got the numbers over fences already to suggest that he might at this stage just be a little bit better than Envoy Allen or, or the, the 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 safer conveyance anyway. Envoy Allen for me just wasn't quite on the money the other day at Cheltenham yeah. for one reason or another. He just didn't look comfortable even even to the point when you know he fell. Um, 
and he's yet to prove himself over three miles as well. So that that's that's a little bit of an issue. But look, it's a fascinating race. I'm looking forward to this one as well. It should be great entertainment. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Monkfish wins and um, continues on his merry road towards Gold Cup glory next season. Monkfish, even money favourite. Uh... And I'm guessing if you're going to have a bet here, it's going to it's going to be either either Cole Reavy at eight or Franco de Paul at fifties. <laughs> well, Cole Reavy's not out of this sort of strictly on figures. I mean, she's mm. 158 rated. Obviously, gets a mayor's allowance, a seven pound pool, but it's a bang there. And I actually think she's shaped as though she wants a trip on more than one occasion. Uh, I don't think she's as far off these as perhaps the the betting would suggest. Having said that. I mean, if you can get excited about four on a race like this, then you're in the wrong sport, aren't you? I mean, this is brilliant, uh, especially this this end of the you know back end of the season. I'm with Andy here. I'd probably be with Monkfish if forced. Uh, Envoy Allen's the interesting one. Um, I mean, people the the few people were who were there at Cheltenham say this horse got really agitated and worked up in the prelims before the Marsh Chase. Did not look himself. Was a bit sweaty, a bit buzzy. And even Jack Kennedy said that. The horse just didn't relax, didn't feel himself. Perhaps, you know, the late switchy yards maybe had an effect. Whatever, we don't really know. That's going to be a worry. If this horse is buzzy and free and lit up trying three miles, that's going to be a massive negative. So a lot of it, you'd almost want to see how Envoy Allen goes down to post. I think will be, uh, you might see a bit, a big kind of drift in the latter stages uh, before this race just goes off if, uh, if he is lit up. So, and again, on, uh, touching on the wider point very quickly, given the connections and the owners, I think this, again, is a fact-finding mission for Envoy Allen for next season. It's interesting at the end of the season, they're deciding to have a crack at three miles now. And given that they've got the Alaho, they've got Aplutard, I think that there's a lot of kind of juggling to work out where the Chiefly Park big guns are all going to be aimed uh, provisionally at the start of next season. Uh, kind of in the back of my mind here, Envoy Allen's perhaps going to end up like the Ryanair horse. Uh, I mean, they always want him to be a gold cup horse, but there's, there's, there's wanting a horse to be something and what it actually is, if you see what I'm saying. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, just in the back of my mind, he doesn't, at the moment, he hasn't just looked like a three and a quarter mile Cheltenham gold cup horse to me. Like, I mean, he's got stacks of class, but he is, as I said, he can be a bit fizzy and you want to keep the lid on him. And I just wonder in time whether two and a half would be his trip. And if Alaho drops down to two and Aplutar stays the staying trip, then there we go. Mm. Chiefly Park can put their feet up over the summer and it's all sorted, isn't it? So uh, I think there's a bit of fact-finding mission here. Yeah, I'm, in, in short, I think Monkfish is, I mean, he's, he's a stunning horse. He'll probably win. Um, I think Cole Reavy will get closer to the front two than the market suggests. I don't think she's a forlorn hope that way, but no, but no bet essentially. No, but essentially, but I think we all we all agree that I mean certainly my in my head the uh, you know you're having to take a massive leap of faith uh, with Envoy Allen at over three miles at five to four when you got Monkfish running for you at even money um, and glad to kind of hear that you guys you experts agree uh, with my thinking there um, on then to the the Wednesday um, where the markets are just reforming we're going to do the uh, the Gold Cup and the Champion Bumper here uh, on the Wednesday. And in the Gold Cup, we've got Manila Indo is the 15-8 to 8 favourite. No surprises there. Ahead of Album Photo at 11-4. to 4. Klanders Oboe, 11-2. Kemboy, 6-1. to 1. Fakir Duderi's 10-1. to 1. Melon, 14-1. to 1. Easy Game, 28-1. to 1. Seven runners. Massive blow for punters there, Ed. Um, but looking at this market at the moment, just as it's reforming now, any surprises? No, no surprises. Um, market kind of as you would expect. Uh, although I wonder, there was a little bit of kind of anti-Chelton snobbery here in the in just purely for prices. I just wonder whether Kemboy is a little bit the forgotten horse at the prices, given there's mm. there's a touch of the beef or salmons with this individual, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> there's kind of what he does at Cheltenham, which is form figures of fifth, fourth, unseated, seventh, and ninth, 
And then there's what he does away from Cheltenham, which includes four grade ones. He's two from two of offences at this track. Bolted up in this race two years ago, of course, which was Ruby Walsh's uh, farewell party, if you like, when he beat Albin Photo quite convincingly. And so I think you are kind of getting six to one on the fact he disappointed at Cheltenham last time out, which he always does. So to me, that's kind of uh, no surprise there. Uh, I, I get, I think... I. Manelli and though I've just listened to Henry de Bromhead, it, you know, he's he's not exactly uh, someone who's going to kind of jump off the seat with enthusiasm about a lot of his horses. He often keeps everything kind of, you know, class close to his chest. He just sent out a few of those little warning signals about this is the end of a long, hard season for a few of mine. And, uh, you know, they're working well, but I can't quite tell. And is there petrol left in the tank? And that is always the worry when you get into, you know, you're touching upon May. And a lot of these horses have been on the go since October. How do they take these races? And invariably, you look back through these meetings, there's always been one or two blowout. And we've had turnips in this contest. Remember, Planet Sound Planet Sound winning a big price. I think Roberto Goldback won at a massive price. And it was simply, it was just horses. It was just, they'd gone to the well once too often for the season. That can happen, unfortunately. Um, it's, it's wise to be after, the, it's, we're always wise after the event, aren't we? So, in short, I, I think Kenboy's definitely devalued the prices. And if I could do their ease, the one I'm, I've got a big question mark about, they tried three miles earlier in the season and he... He didn't didn't appear to stay. However, that's when Joseph Bryan went two months without a winner. The yard was stinking the truck out at the time. Um, <laughs> we've, we've seen the horses come back. He ran really well, didn't he, behind Alaho at the festival and then absolutely bolted up at entry last time. And the, the yard are in much better vein of form now. So he's a double-figure price. Uh, he is, I wouldn't give up on him in seeing out three miles is essentially what I'm saying. So, again, another trappy one. But um, I have back Kenboy for this. Again, purely, if you've just been his Cheltenham form, He's got a very, very great, very, very good grade one record, including in this race and at this track. So, yeah, he is for me. Um, I'll leave Andy to talk about Clandis Oboe, a horse I can never get right. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to shut up. <laughs> so Kenboy, six to one for Ed with a favourable mention for uh, for Fakir Duderi at ten to one. Uh, Andy, Ed served Clandis Oboe up to you. So you better start with, with him at 11 to two. I think he's the wrong price. I think 11 to two is big. Um you know, Paul Nichols. This is just right at Paul Nichols's street, isn't it? This to pull a rabbit out of that hat here with Clanders Elbow. And very probably very tempted to run um, Clanders Elbow off top eight in the Bet Three Six Five on Saturday, but of course he had Enrillo in that, and he was a bit unlucky. I still can't quite get my head around how Enrillo got thrown out in that race. I, um, I think he just dosed in front. He was by half an hour the best horse. Um, unfortunately, the, the stewards had failed to see that and. Well, rather controversial. They gave it um, Potterman, um, mm. who didn't deserve to win. Full stop. Yeah, <laughs> just, it wasn't impeded. Just, I think we could do a whole other podcast. We could, yeah, we that. could do half an hour on that race. Yeah. Stewarded decisions, but anyway, yeah. uh, getting back to Clandazobo. Look, he comes here relatively fresh. Uh, obviously, you run it, Angel. We get what I'm saying. He, he didn't go to Cheltenham, and he looked spectacular at Angel. It must have been. I was really, really impressed with him that day. He never ever looked like he was going to lose that race. He was always in control. Cheek pieces woke him up. He looked a totally different horse. Uh, the good ground, he bounces off of it. He goes really well right-handed. Kempton tells you that. Um, and, yeah, if if there is some theory going out there that Henry de Bromhead's horses that went to Cheltenham aren't quite running as well as what they might subsequently, then Manolo Endo might have a little bit more on his plate, arguably, than it does look at face value, because he should really beat Alvin Frodo again. Of course, Kenboy, um, Ed's eloquently put, the case for for Kenboy, given reasons why he's got a better chance than the odds, I can certainly see that as well. Um, look, I'm a, I'm a I'm a massive fan of Manella Endo. Always have been. I, I felt a little bit of a fraud and a bit disloyal for taking the plaudits of him winning the Gold Cup, having tipped him anti-post, and then kind of <laughs> gone off him a little bit. Come come nearer the hour. It was a case of 
Um, I, I kind of like overplayed it, and, and he, he ran bad round of jumping the time before, and I should have just stayed um, stayed in the zone with him. But look, he's always been a good horse, and if Manella, if the Manella window of Cheltenham turns up when he was spectacular in every department, jumping the way he travelled, the way he stayed, the time figure he recorded, then he's he's look he's he's going to be very difficult to beat. From a betting perspective, at the prices, um, if some firm does go <laughs> anywhere near sort of five to one, and they do offer you three places, like a few of the few firms have with the when they when they when there are seven runners, yeah, then he would be a fair each way back, Clendezo. But it's hard to see him. Whatever happens, running badly. Clendezo eleven to two currently with, with William Hill four to one with a couple of other other firms. So that could change pretty quickly, but do keep an eye out, as I say, on the Odds Checker app or on the grids on the website as well. You can see the place terms so you can tell who is sticking their neck out above the others to give you three places, despite there being seven runners. I have a feeling probably a couple will do that. So keep an eye out. Uh, on to the, the bumper now. Um, and it's another match on first look. So go hard and kill crew. First and second in the champion bumper at Cheltenham, five to four, Sagar Hard, eleven to eight, Kilcrute. Um, Lake uh <laughs> Lake Winnipesaukee, I'm gonna go for. Fourteen to one. Yeah. I mean it's not bad, is it? I mean uh, you'd think I should have to read through all of these horses before we even start recording, but sometimes I don't get around to it. Uh, Eric Bloodax a bit easier, sixteen to one, uh Ramelez, twenty to one, O'Toole twenty to one, fifty to one, Sungench and Ardler sixty six to one. Now Andy, after the champion bumper at Cheltenham uh, my first thinking was I think the better horse there has come second the market can't split them massively but currently has to go hard the winner that day just about favorite how do you see it it is always a difficult one isn't it when you've got a fast finisher like Kilcrook was in 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 the uh, in the bumper to always go with that theory um but you know, I flip it on the other side. I I think it's just as hard to try and make all the running, mm. um, and and see it all the way out at Cheltenham. I I think he showed more better all round speed throughout that race, and and that's the reason he ended up winning. Um, Kilcrook to me going into the race always looked as though he was going to be a stayer. Um, you know, when he won at Leopardstown, it was stamina that won the day that day, and it was the pace of Sir Gerard which enabled him to get away from Kilcrut at uh, Cheltenham. So, look, what you've got to think about here is if this is going to be relatively tactical again, um, I don't know how how the pace will shape up, what Paddy Mullins will end up doing on Sir Gerard, whether he'll actually have to make the running. He might not necessarily have to because the one that you can't pronounce down the bottom. Um, <laughs> Are you, you going to have a go? Uh, no, I think you did it, did it justice. <laughs> I, I, Lake I Winnie Pasorki. That's go. it. Lake Winnie Pasorki was in the process of bolting up at Leopardstown by going about 20, 25 lengths clear until running out in the home turn at Leopardstown. So he's obviously a trailblazer. Um, so that might make life a little bit easier for Paddy Mullen. So a lot, a lot depends how this race is run, where they are sort of at the three, four furlong pole turning in and um, who has the best turn of foot. I think if it comes to, down to who's got the best turn of foot, we know Sir Gerard has. I think he's more the, the speed-based horse, the Rolls-Royce, wherever the other one is a... Um, you know, built for long distances, as it were. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd probably stick with Sir Gerard. I'd, I'd, you don't sound li- confident. <laughs> not confident enough to take 11 to 10. Yeah. I'd rather take 11 to 10, even money back Monkfish. Mm. 
because uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to be off in front and seeing his fences and getting an uncontested lead. So I, I'm taking the the um, the tactical aspect out of that of that equation, and I can get even money. Whereas this, I don't know how it's going to work out. So that that's the conundrum. Ed, I've got no idea. Uh, but Lake Winnesa <laughs> Porky is the largest glacial lake in New Hampshire. So when you're watching University Challenge next time, um, there you go. Yeah, bear that in mind. Yeah, uh, no, I'll sit and watch this one uh, with a view of where I think those two will rank in terms of trip and pecking order for next season's novice hurdles. Don't get caught in the same trap as I did though Ed with appreciate it and think that because he stayed on well in the oh, bumper ca- he's going to want two and a half miles I've I'll still got a ticket in. I've still got a ticket here <laughs> with 12 to 1 on for appreciate it for the uh, for the Ballymore get it framed get it framed I, behind you Put it. I think I I might not be the only person watching or listening who has a ticket now for Sagohard for the Supreme and, and Kilcrete for the Ballymore each exactly. way double paced about four minutes after the champion bumper Um, so that yeah, hopefully get a run for my money strong there. Stay as a, strong days at the trip always win the Supreme. Always I, think, that. I, I think for me, the best result would be exactly the same. Sagarhard winning with Kilcrew fast finishing second would be absolutely ideal uh, for that reason. Um, and then, yeah, for Lake, uh, Winnie Pasorki, for Peter Fahi, we actually went and spent the day with Peter uh, in February last year at his yard um, over in Ireland, uh, and he was incredibly accommodating. It's great to see him having such a, a good season, and I would love um, if he were to, especially after what happened uh, with that horses, as Andy said, running out uh, on debut. It would be great to see him um, spoil the Mullins party um, come Wednesday afternoon. Um, so best of luck to Peter and the team. On then to Thursday, where we've got the, the stayers. As I say, these we don't have final decks for these yet, so we're kind of playing a bit of a bit of guesswork as to who turns up where. Florian Porter is the two to one favourite. Side of Burley, we'll get Andy's thoughts on him shortly. Uh, is nine to two second favourite. Beacon Edge seven to one. The Storyteller eight to one. Ronald Pump eight to one. Fury Road twelve to one. Sixteen to one. Bar. Ed, I'll come over to you for for first one here for the stayers. Uh, it's hard to make a case against Florian Porter. Is in, uh, in. I thought the horse went it fair and square uh, last time out. Jump travelled rapid improver there was that element and myself included i'll put my hand up um after he won in ireland last time out didn't he at leopardstown um i thought oh you know that was a little bit of a fluke and all the talk was about those in behind but mm. i mean he, he just looks to be going from strength to strength you know he's rated what 131 back in october he's now 164 uh it looks to be as i say it just looks to be on that curve he's only six uh, yeah, I, I think he's the rightful favourite again. Or we harp on about it, and I'm not, not trying to duck the issue, but you just do worry <laughs> at the end of the season. Again, uh, some of these horses just run inexplicably flat. And I was looking through the history of this meeting, and it's just through nothing more than the fact they've just had enough. Mm. And so, do you want to begin stuck in it six to four, seven to four? Uh, not for me. Again, I'm being very kind of splinters in my backside here. There was one who I did think was of interest coming back after minor injury. That was Ronald Pump. Uh, I thought that horse, you know, was only beaten half a length by Honeysuckle in a grey one over two and a half when he was gaining on her all the time uh, back at Fairy House in November. Had a little niggle and listening to connections. They're almost like, well, they could have rushed him to get him to the, the, the stairs hurdle at Cheltenham, but they didn't want to do it. It would have been a race against time and it was nothing major. Uh, but he's back on the track. He's working in good order. And of course, he was runner up to Lisnagar Oscar in the stairs hurdle at Cheltenham 12 months ago. Again, a, a little bit of the forgotten horse syndrome. I saw he was around the seven to one mark. I think it clearly looks like he'll be fully revved up for this and he'll be as fresh as daisies and he might be just be taking on a few horses who've had a as i said are at the back end of a long hard season so yeah tentatively with ronald pump here but wouldn't be too surprised if florin porter won one easily andy a few um 
likely lads for you here, side side of Berlin, Ronald Pump. Um, but let's let's talk about where you're. You know, this is a new day, a new race. Time to find the value now. Who who are you who are you fancying? Yeah, I've embarrassed myself quite a few times um, over the course of the season. <laughs> I um, don't believe Ma- it. Manila Indo, that's one. Um, I think I, I think I'm on record saying they should have retired Tiger Roll and he <laughs> went and did what he did at Cheltenham. And and my third one was, was Florian Porter. Um, I'm still w- wiping the custard pie out of my hair um, after he won at Cheltenham. I, I was absolutely staggered that he managed to to do what he did. But in all fairness, he, he could not have been any more impressive. I thought he mm. toyed with good horses that day. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, he's still on the bridle going down to the, going down to the last. And um, despite wandering around and mucking about on the running, he still had loads in hand and beat Sir de Berle, my big fancy fair and square. I think Sir de Berle is always going to be a better horse at Cheltenham. That was always my theory working along. If he couldn't beat Florian Porter at Cheltenham, because I wasn't really convinced Florian Porter would be a Cheltenham horse. Then I don't think he's got any chance of turning the form around come punches down because all his best forms going left-handed. But so uh, we are getting on to the the nitty gritty of um, what I'd back in this race, and and that is Ronald Pump, uh, which Ed's already alluded to. Uh, for all the all the same reasons, he's going to come here fresh. You know, he he hasn't had that hard season that a lot of these have. Don't forget, a lot of these have been on the go for a hell of a long time. You know, Sudebed has only had three runs, but he did start his season off back in November. In the uh, in the Liz in the in the Liz Mullen hurdle, um, Florian Porter's had a hell of a lot of gigs to go to. Mm. Um, you know, I think he's run six, seven times. The storyteller, goodness me, if there's been a horse who's had more runs than him, then uh, I'd <laughs> like to see it. And 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 the fascinating thing about this race is who w- will heaven help us run here? Because I think if heaven if Paul Hennessy rolls the dice and runs her, she's very much going to be the spoiler to the potential front-running antics of Florian Porter because, you know, she she goes off obviously quite quickly. So, in in short, Ronald Pump's going to have this set up for him here. He's fresh. He goes incredibly well right-handed. If this was at Fairy House, I'd, I'd have my absolute life on him because his Fairy House form is phenomenal. Um, I just don't think he has, he's never had a chance to run here because he's never run at this meeting at Punchestown. He's either always run at Fairy House or run at Cheltenham or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time he's going to come here absolutely with no baggage attached to him. Um, so, yeah, at 8-1, to one, he's, he's a standout price for me. Double double tip there from both Ed and Andy for, for Ronald Pump. 8-1 to one currently with two firms, William Hill and Genting Bet. As I say, this is just early afternoon on monday so these prices may not hang about for long tomorrow we'll get final decks through and if the race cuts up a bit that eight to one could be could be history but similarly i guess if, if ronald pump's taken out and you have your bet now then that is a loser of course so uh you want to be careful there a few firms might be going non no, no, no bet or maybe not even uh, not that i can see uh on then to the um the ryanair novice chase where you know i don't think this is going to be much of a betting preview but more to talking about the top one in the market and that is Energumine at two to five, who of course missed uh, the festival at Cheltenham in, back in March. Uh, Captain Guinness seven to two, uh, Janadil and uh, Embittered both eight to one, sixteen to one midnight run. Jungle Junction, Jungle Junction twenty five to one, uh, and Zarkareva is sixty sixes. And is this going to be, you know, easy as you like for Energumine? Are we expecting him to, to show his class uh, on the biggest stage? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Envoy Allen runs elsewhere. Midnight Run runs in a handicap. Uh, there's a chance that Mimbitted might run in a handicap as well. So we're only going to be left with perhaps two, three runners to take him on, mm. um, which is a bit of a shame. Look, you know, 
it, it was a shame also that this horse didn't make Charnham. It would have been one of the classes of the festival. We always lose one of the uh, big stars, don't we, going into the meeting and spoil, um, you know, a, a real good head-to-head. And, you know, Shiskin in the end had a bit of a silo in the arkle. I think he would have given him plenty to think about. But he does come here with a, with a, in, in a bit to round off his season in, in the best possible fashion, just like Shiskin did uh, at Aintree. Uh, and, um, you know, with a clear round and jumping, I can't see anyone getting anywhere near him. They're, they're just... They're not good enough. He's just proven himself the best Irish horse over this trip. He's won right-handed. He won at Garran early on the year, so that's not a problem. Um, he's still a companion. Janadil's now back number, by the way. I think he's a very useful horse, as he proved last time out. Um, I think he fell the time before, didn't he? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's probably going to be more of a fascination to to see what finishes second rather than what wins it. And, like Ed's already alluded to and I have, it, it's, it's where they're likely to go after they've won, I think I think this meeting is going to tell us probably all all we need to know about pecking orders and what division they're going to go in next season. I, I can't imagine that this horse won't be aimed at anything other than the champion chase. Are, are you surprised? Because it, kind of visually, with an argument, it looks like a horse who could you know who could be stepped up and trip. And given how you know the going double-handed, Willie Mullins already has a pretty decent hand going in. I mean, I guess for Tony Bloom, the idea of having a champion chaser rather than a Ryanair horse next season. I mean, let alone going up to three could be could be the reason why. But are you surprised to see him still running over two? Or do you think this is? Well, uh... I think the things. I think if Willie Mullins had his own way, he'd split the pack, wouldn't he? Yeah. You know, he'd run Egamergami in there, and he'd run Alaho yeah, there. Yeah. But you know, the owners at the end of the day, they're the one that pay the pay the bills. And if they want to run in the champ, running in the champion chase, and Willie's going to have to toe the line. Yeah. Um, I think Alaho, I think Alaho is the one that he's going to be the tail that wags the dog more than anything else because I think um, with the Nergamine, with the greatest respect to the Ryanair, I think it's always the the third on the, the third of, of the of the big three, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, if you've got a blue ribboned horse, you want to run it in the Gold Cup or run it in the Champion Chase. You want to know if you've got a, the Champion Two Mile or Champion Three Mile. The yeah. two and a half, not so much. And I think that's the way that. Um, most of the time, most of the time, Shibley Park think. I, mm. I think they either want a runner, and that's why they made that mistake with Alho. They didn't want to run it in the the the, the Mars Stakes because that wasn't perceived to be the the big one of the two. They wanted to run it in the in the best one, the RSA, which is perceived as the the champion novice race. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's an owner driven thing more than anything. So I, I can't see them stepping a Mergen up to, to to two and a half miles and, and, unless uh, he loses some of his speed that he's shown this season. Yeah, Ed, anything for you? No, I think tactics to be it's going to be a small field. Listening to Henry de Bromhead, I think they're going to try and ride Captain Guinness much more quietly, shall we say. Obviously, when he's been bashing against the Nergamine earlier in the season, they've been taking each other on at the head of affairs. Captain Guinness, again, in the Arkle went off like a horse in the King's Stand, didn't he? And him and all mankind almost beat each other up and they both fell in a hole. Uh, it'd be interesting if they can get him to switch off and come try and pounce later on, at least be di- interesting from a tactical viewpoint, if, if you see what I'm saying. The only way I'd have a Nurgamine purely would be on the ground. I mean, they're going to need to keep ploughing the Irish Sea on this ground, looking at the weather forecast. Otherwise, it's going to be absolutely rattling by the time this race goes. And Nurgamine does have a bit of an E action, and he has looked very happy on deep winter ground. You know, I think his last three wins, what, three come on the heavy, one on soft the heavy. Uh, yeah. This would be a totally different ball game, at least from that perspective anyway, uh, in terms of what he it could be genuine good ground by the time they go to post in this. But uh, yeah, again, this is a watch and brief with a viewpoint to next year and, and, and what, what happens. Well, let's get on to the 
Paddy Power champion hurdle then, where Honeysuckle is the four to seven favourite ahead of Epitont at seven to two. Sharjah eight to one. Abracadabra is ten to one with Aspire Tower. Goshen twelve to one. Jason the Militant fourteen to one. Twenty-five to one. Bar Ed, I'll stay with you here. Pretty hard to pick holes, I guess, in Honeysuckle, um, even at four to seven. But guessing there's a couple in them behind that we could see, maybe running into a place for us, or, or at least uh, giving us a bit of a run for our money. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, how much are you going to take my, my champion herd? You, you can cut and paste me from um, <laughs> back in March and put me in here. I, I think uh, I had fancied Honeysuckle to beat Abracadabras in the, in the champion hurdle at Chowder Festival, when obviously Abracadabras didn't get any further than the third, third flight hurdle, which was frustrating um, for, for myself and those who backed him uh, at prices. And then obviously he went to Aintree uh, over two and a half. If you'd been anywhere else other than Aintree in good ground over two and a half, I don't think they'd run him. But I mean, it, that kind of almost looked like it stretched his stamina. But he's such mm. a strong traveller and the ground on a flat track and good ground. I think he got away with it. He almost Jack Kelly said, I got there too soon. Um, but it, he won well enough in the end. Uh, again, if he lines up and he hasn't had enough for the season, that's always the slight worry. He's a double figure price here. And I, I do think he'll, he's a strong traveller. Every race he's in, he gets, I think he gets a bit of an unfair rap. Uh, to be honest with you, this horse. He's got three grey ones neck on his CV. Every race he's in, he's always there or thereabouts coming to the end. And again, I, I think he would have followed uh, followed home Honeysuckle at Cheltenham or admittedly a good few lengths behind her. And uh, I think we're going to see a similar thing again here. Again, just harp on about the ground. Again, be the slight worry if you are backing <clears throat> Honeysuckle at four to six or whatever. Um, minimum trip, uh, less stamina demanding track, you'd argue, than Cheltenham. And I mean, the, the, the mystery rain that arrived um, just outside my window before the Cheltenham Festival on the eve of the meeting, I think really, really uh, just put the final tick in the box, if you like, for Honeysuckle mm. back at the minimum trip, given she'd done a lot of her winning over further and on softer ground. And again, that would just be a slight worry if the ground is pretty rattling here over the minimum trip. But she does look a much quicker horse, doesn't she, this season? As, um, as Ruby Walsh was saying the other day, so most uh, mares and horses, they get older, look slower. She seems to be getting quicker with age and she seems to be even slicker over obstacles than she has been at any point in her career. So, yeah, I'll, I'll probably play the forecast up here and uh, I'll go uh, honeysuckle. And if Abacadabra's lines up, I think he'll travel into contention. He'll absolutely love the ground. He's a really quick horse. He'll jump and he'll travel well. And if there's no Tom Fuller in, he doesn't hit the deck. Uh, I think he'll be there or thereabouts come the last. Abracadabra is 10 to 1 with ball sports as it stands as short as 6 to 1 elsewhere so if you want to take the chance before final decks that could be the way to go uh, Andy yeah this is definitely a race to play before final decks yeah, the last mm. thing you want to be doing here is looking down the barrel of a 6-7 runner race when you had the chance to play something each way because you know the, the, the dynamics of the field I wouldn't have thought are not going to change too much in your head mm. um, it's just a race you've got to have a bet in whether you think Honeysuckle is a good thing or not sometimes you just have to flip it and just say right I'm backing this each way. It's going to be in the first three, you know, crack on. Uh, similar to Ed with Abacadabras. I mean, he, he, I, I, of all the things I've cursed at Cheltenham, there's quite a few, even though it was a fair meeting in the end, was the fall of He cost me an absolute fortune falling. <laughs> I had in every single each way double. Yep, same Yankee. <laughs> and, and, the, and the other three came in. Sir de Burley put the kettle on. Manila Indo, Abracadabra was my life-changing anti-post bet from the year before. So all he had to do was stay on his feet to be in the frame. And then, of course, he went on and won at Aintree and I never backed him, did I? Because yeah. he wasn't an each-way price. Yeah. Um, but he's the kind of horse you want to back each way, Abracadabra, every day of the week. You know, he's always there, travels, you know, comes out, you know, and you think, is he going, is he going to do it? Is he not? He did it at Aintree, every chance to do it again. But similar to sim, on a similar theory to, to Abracadabra, I don't get how Sharjah can be eight to one and Epiton 
four, well, three times shorter. Unless, unless my eyes are completely deceiving me and I've gone at the game, how on earth on this world is Epitone going to beat Sharjah? Sharjah hated the ground yet again at Cheltenham. Once again, he's run, a, he's run his face off. Two years running on ground he absolutely despises. People say the theory about Sharjah, he, he, oh, he, he, you know, he goes over the top and he's no, he's no good after the new year. Well, he's, he's not a bad horse after the new year for winning, for finishing second in the champion hurdle twice. It's the ground. He just doesn't like soft or heavy ground. But come good ground, there's not many horses who can live with this fella's turn of foot. Um, you know, even even honeysuckle. So I think an eight to one for Sharjah is is an insult. He absolutely loves going right-handed. He's won here before. He's only had three runs of the year as well. Um, you know, he won early on the season, then that bad run as was always the case at Leopardstown, and then the run in the Champion So he's going to come here relatively fresh. Um, so. Ed's gone abracadabra each way, and I'll go shorter each way at eight to one. And presumably, you wouldn't put off people backing both each way. Why not? Why not? Eight, eight to one, ten to one, Charger and abracadabras. Uh, if you're the ball sports account, you can get those prices with both uh, Unibet and Betway, both eight to one as well for Charger. As it stands, three more races to go. We're going to do the uh, champion novice hurdle now, then on to the four-year-olds uh, hurdle, and then finish with the mayor's champion. Um, for the uh, yeah, for the for the Alana Holmes Champion Novice Hurdle, we've got Bob Ollinger as the four to six favourite, ahead of Appreciated at four to one, as it stands. Uh, Gaillard de Mensil is uh, de Mesnil, sorry, is five to one. Galapin de Champ is six to one. Ashdale Bob ten to one. Uh, Cape Gentleman fourteens. Blue Lord fourteens. We loads of Thomas Sutton Girl fourteens, but plenty, plenty of these going to come out. Andy at the top end of the market. Do, do we think we're going to see Appreciated line up with, with Bob Ollinger? I'll, I'll be great if we did. This would be a lovely race, wouldn't it? Over two and a half miles, appreciate it going up up against the best two and a half mile horse as it stands at the moment in Bob Ollinger. I think Bob Ollinger's performance pound for pound was one of the best at the festival when he beat Galio de Mez. And I think there was a clash for the purists. Mm. You know, the good horse of Nichols was back in third, who had every chance, brave man's game. Um, you know, the, the time figure was good. And, and, the, and the split times as well suggested that Bob Ollinger's got, you know, pretty much everything. Um, he stays, he can quicken. And he could he could always go back in trip as well. He's another one you could have on your mind for perhaps a champion hurdle. I mean, where do they go with him? Mm-hmm. If they don't if they don't go have the fences, I mean, there's nothing for him at Cheltenham. He's not going to stay three miles just yet. So why don't they do what you know some class uh, connections have done and drop him back into two, to two miles? He almost looked as though he wanted to go f- faster, didn't he, at Cheltenham at mm. every stage of that two and a half mile race? Um, you know, Isterbrack, um, who's the other good horse? Hardy Eustace. Mm. won the old um, um, Ballymore before they went on to win the, the champion hurdle. So he's another one to, to throw into the mix for the champion hurdle next year. So this race will tell us just about as much as we need to know about him than anything else. But yeah, I, I think he'll win whatever happens to Bob Ollinger. I, think, I just think he's a special talent along along with Monkfish. We're blessed to have so many good national horses around mm. at the moment. They're going to be flying the flag for um, their connections for, for many years to come. Exciting stuff. Bob Ollinger there, four to six favourite as it stands. Ed? Yeah, looks at all the vibes are like, it doesn't sound like appreciate it's going to line up. Um, whether they just think he's perhaps not working as well as they thought he would do at the end of the season, whether he's had enough, whether the ground's going to be lively enough for him, I don't know. But um, Bob Ollinger, yeah, was uh, was scintillating. Uh, one of the few things I did get right at the Charter Festival, uh, anti-post and the, uh, no, he obliged. He, 
I agree. It was quite funny. I think Henry de Bromhead said in jest, he said, yeah, we've got a good plan for him next season. It involves two, two and a half, three miles, and it involves either hurdles or fences. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I think, yeah, there's a bit of tongue-in-cheek there. I think they're going to, uh, like you said, we're going to sit sit down and um, sit down with the owners over the summer with a glass of wine and, and form a plan. But he just looks exceptional. He? he looks, to me, an argo horse. Mm. That'd be like, in terms of the, uh, I, he looks really in the mould. He's, he's got the stamp to be a good chaser. I think coming back to two wouldn't be an issue. But yeah, again, okay. uh, those are bigger prices. Um, it's hard to get enthusiastic. It's, it's going to cut up a bit. Uh, I would be interested if Dusart did run, because I do think he will be much more suited by two and a half. He looked a slow old boat, I thought, last time out, uh, to put it politely, uh, when beating Aintree. And you also got to remember that was his first run for nearly six months. He'd be entitled to a stripped lot fitter than that. And, um, you know, being beaten a couple of lengths by Belfast banter probably isn't bad form at, at all. So um, he's he's around 16 to 1. I've got no idea. I'm, I was frantically looking for a Nicky Henson quote to see whether he's committed to it. I haven't, haven't seen anything. I could see him starting half the price he is now if he did line up, if you see what I'm saying. But um, it looks Bob Ollinger's to lose, doesn't it? does look that way indeed interesting to see uh if appreciate does come out bob Ollinger could be very short so i wonder that four to six if you are somebody who's happy to back a four to six shot um could look big on the day uh if as ed says appreciate it doesn't line up against him um two more to come we've got the four-year-olds hurdle uh the champion four-year-old hurdle and this is a really interesting race again two at the top but also a third in there who was incredibly impressive uh, on day before Willie Mullins at Cheltenham. We've got Quixelos at seven to four, Zana here at two to one, Horton Colour, the, the horse I was talking about, three to one, and um, pitched in at the deep end at Cheltenham and by no means disgraced. Uh, Saint Sam, nine to one, Jeff Kidder um, is 12 to one, 33 to one, bar. Andy, really interesting one, this, isn't it? With those three um, locking horns. Zana here was sent off uh, favourite back at Cheltenham, but Quixelos was, was the one who, who got home in front. The market has reacted to that. How do you see it going? I, th- I thought of all the rides that Rachel Blackmore um, was lauded for at, at the festival. Um, probably the one that was the most unsung was the ride on Kilixios in, in the um, in the Triumphal. I thought she did everything right on the horse, took the race by the scruff of the neck, kicked at the right moment, um, and that was very much down to her 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 brilliance. That having said that, I still thought Kilixios was was a worthy winner on the day. Mm. Um, Zana here might not necessarily have brought his A grain to the table. It was an excellent run by the Willie Mullins' horse you mentioned there, uh, Hort in Um But I still expect Calixios to, to hold sway. Um, Zana here could get a bit closer going back right handed on better ground. I just didn't think he was quite the horse that we were anticipating um, at Cheltenham. In fact, I'm pretty sure that wasn't, wasn't the true Zana here. Mm. Um, but he still he still clocked the fastest time of the year, and that that was that fairy house run. It, even um, Calixios didn't usurp it at Cheltenham. So numbers wise, then Zanahi has got a chance. But Calixios, course and distance winner, right handed, can ride him pretty much how you want. He doesn't pull. He's he, he's a horse that relaxes, gives you every chance. Yeah, again, it's another one that um, from that you know the Cheltenham meeting. It's it's difficult to to etch that out your memory how impressive he was. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it feels like you can almost overcomplicate things when those three are so close in the market. Exactly. Um, yeah. Ed? Yeah, I'm sitting a bit here. Won't we get involved? I think I think we'll see. I think Zanny will get closer. I think he was far too keen, lit up. Uh, it was a little bit of rain softened ground. He just, I, I, I don't think that was his best form. I think this surface will probably suit him better. We said that, like, you know, you. So you've got to be brave to go against Quilixios on the evidence of what we saw at Cheltenham, haven't you? Uh, mm. Horta Calor is probably the one, yeah, given the 
relative lack of experience. I mean, the horse absolutely tanked through the race. Yeah. Uh, like a really good individual. Was only beaten three lengths at the line. So you think there's more to cover him. It's a race of ifs, but don't know from my point of view. Um, but nonetheless, I think we've got some some very good horses here. And it sounds like St. Sam and Jeff Kidder are going to roll the dice as well, kind of stepping up from the handicap company into, into this level. So uh, again, a race with plenty of note-taking with next season in mind from my point of view. Yeah. Either way, a fascinating spectacle. And to the last, the, the Mayor's champion hurdle, Concertista is the 11 to 8 favourite, ahead of Burning Victory at 7 to 2. Tell me something, girl, 5 to 1, Stormy Island, 6 to 1, Sky A, 7 to 1, Lorena, 8 to 1. Lorena, 8 to 1. Uh, Echoes yeah. and Rain, 8 to 1. That has caught me by surprise. Uh, Ed, we'll start with you then. Take yeah, I'll that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm yet to hear officially, but I believe she might be back in training from what I'm from what wow. she is back in training. But um, I don't know whether it's something to do with the uh, the the breeding operation going wrong. Uh, I must admit, uh, I won't try and bluff you. I, I do not actually know what's happened there, but it, <laughs> the, the the vibes and the social media circles are she's she's back. But um, yeah, again, um, yeah, blowing my trumpet here. That was my, my lay at a festival. Remember when I was pushed? You pushed me for it, uh, George. Yeah. Going back, I, I say concertista purely because um, I I think she's a two minor. I, I do. I think that's her trip. Uh, I said it at the time, and, and I'll say it again now. I think she she's got a lot of dash this mare, and I just think she got a little bit found out on very soft ground. Uh, she, to me, she travelled through the race like the best horse at the Charter Festival, the best mare, and it just came out a little bit of battle of wills against Black Tears in in the final half furlong, and she just I think she got outstayed. I wouldn't necessarily say, but she's got so much natural speed and class. I'd love to see her come back down to to the minimum trip and take on the. Uh, take on the boys of a mayor's allowance. But, but anyway, um, problem is, again, in this race, um, wh- which kind of way do, you, way do you go? Because, you know, there's, there's no black tears here. As you say, Lorena, a kind of a, a bizarre U-turn. Um, t- tell me something, girl. I don't know if she's lining up here. or she, she's. I think she might be going up the three-mile route, listening to connections. And then you've got Burning Victory coming back after seven years off the track, of course, was the uh, the most fluky winner of the Triumph Hurdle we'd, we, we'd ever seen, didn't we, when uh, Goshen departed mm-hmm. 12 months ago. Another real muddling race, um, it has to be said. Um, okay. Constantista, I know that. I think she's the best mare in the race. Um, I would just like to... I think she's got a knee action. And I think she wants two miles. I think I think a heavy ground champion hurdle would be right up her street, put it that yeah. way. She's going to get two and a half here on good ground. That perhaps will... If I... My point of view, I, I've got a little question mark against her, her stamina. Uh, I think she might be able to get away with it here because I just do think this is a substandard race. So I think Constantista by default probably wins. But again... She's only seven. I'd love to know like the kind of long-term plan next season. I'd love to see her come back to the minimum trip because she's not short of a gear at all. Andy? Yeah, Ed made, Ed made some great points about um, Concertista. Um, and yeah, they, they, they might have rolled the dice in the championnet, but obviously they, they didn't. And, and maybe next year that could be the key with her. Um, the things with this race, looking at it now, a lot of these aren't going to run. Um, tell me something, girl. I'm surprised he isn't going for this race because she looks as though two and a half or so. But they're going with three miles with her. Yeah, that's I think right. on the first day or the second day, which is a bit of a head scratcher. We don't know where Heaven Help Us is going to go. We know Echoes in Rain goes for the Grade One. We haven't seen Burning Victory for 414 days. Mrs Milner goes for a, um, a different race. So you know we're only going to get probably four or five runners in this. Um, so Concertista, if she is going to get away with it in inverted commas, this might be it because it probably won't be a strongly run. Um, as he had anticipated, the one I can't believe is not here. By the way, is Black Tears. Where's Black Tears? She yeah, should be in yeah. this race. She? God, yeah. this is hers for the taking. Um, what a big price! I, I presume she'll be a big price, and I presume she'll run here. Is my sister Sarah? She's got a bit to fight. Well, quite a bit to fight with Concertista. Um, 
at Cheltenham, but she does run Punchestown incredibly well. She's unbeaten here. I think in three starts, mm-hmm. she, she's always won for one of those like listed stroke big handicaps. So yeah, if if you if you're looking to play on the day and, and there is you know some each way betting or three places available, then maybe you want to go down and have a, have a few good on her. Great stuff. Well, that brings us to the end of our Punchstown Festival preview, a whistle-stop tour of some of the biggest races uh, over the week. Before I let you guys go, are there any other horses that people on races we haven't discussed that you'd like to flag up now? Yes, very quickly. Yeah, I've, I, yeah, I've had a bet in the... Um, well, I will have a bet in the uh, horse I flagged up in the handicap hurdle. Forgive me, you just throw me there, George, a curveball in terms of the time. Because the handicap hurdle uh, on the Tuesday, over two okay. miles... Um, Tudor City with Tony Martin won the Galway hurdle a couple of years ago you may remember and then is disappointed subsequently however it's starting to tumble back down the way it's just the 450 there we go the 450 Tudor City uh, Tony Martin um, is now only two pounds higher than winning the Galway hurdle obviously if the Galway hurdle again is the kind of long-term aim. Uh, the horse might not be fully revved up for this, but as plummeted down the weights, ground will be fine, trip and track, and as I said, is now feasibly feasibly weighted. Uh, so could go well at a big price. I think the horse is 33 to 1. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll be tempted um, at that kind of price. I would be lured in, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> Tudor City, 33 to 1 with Hills, Bet First Sportsbook, Bet Victor, Bet Fred and Boyle Sports. Andy? Yeah, well, I'd like to probably keep some back for for particularly the handicaps for myself. Obviously, yeah. my column won't be littered with uh, sticking up even money chances, which we just discussed at at um, at length. But I am very very keen on one in in the mare's bumper that runs on the Wednesday. Now it's a Grade Three race. She ran a, a hugely encouraging race on debut. One of Lorna Fowler's called Manny Sander. Uh, you need to go back and watch the video of that race. That was a strongly run race, won by the the, the sort of key key form guide to all the Irish bumpers this season also of uh, Gavin Cromwell's one it called Let's Be Clear About It who ties in with Sir Gerard and Kilcrook and this mare first time out 50 to 1 only got beat four lengths wow. um, she quickened up really really well with the, those front two and the three of them went miles clear of the rest I thought it was an incredible run first time out bound to have needed it both mentally physically um, she's definitely a graded mare in, in, in prospect. I don't think that race is particularly strong, that the mare's bumper. There's certainly no let's be clear about it in it either. Yeah. Um, and the fact that she's run well against the, the, the Geldings is, is a massive plus. So I'll be, I'll be sniffing around for prices on her when, when, the, when the odds come out in the morning. Good stuff. Yeah, Mimi, no, Mi, Manny Sander. No prices now. Manny Sander, though, the one for Andy in the mare's bumper, which is the last race, is 7.35 on Wednesday. I know Ed won't be hovering up the prices because he doesn't pay bumpers anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just just me to worry about Andy. Um so let's uh yeah brilliant stuff. Thank you so much Andy and Ed for for joining me today and talking us through some of the big races at the Punchstown Festival. Should be a brilliant five days racing throughout the course of the week. Make sure that you download the odds checker app so you are betting all of your bets at the very best prices available. Also the best place terms, booking offers, free bets and all the rest including some of the very best Best tipsters in the game and these tips every day of racing straight to the app on the morning of the racing itself uh, do downloads um do download the app and do also uh, get on our youtube page and subscribe to the odds checker youtube channel where you can find plenty of preview content and other features as well and you can find all of these podcasts and preview podcasts on all podcast platforms too enjoy the racing and please do gamble responsibly 